I'm sure that hymn that we've just sung is based on Psalm 51, and I hope that you will find that uh, this morning. You, you would really need to read Second Samuel chapters 11 and 12. Uh, you will know much of it, but it's good to read it through and get all the detail to find out why David had to come, had, had to write this Psalm 51. We will know of his adultery with Bathsheba. We will know of his murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. A terrible sin. That wouldn't happen here. As I look on you, all looking so lovely on a Sunday. Would it not? Sexual immorality. Doesn't happen, does it? Amongst God's people. Murder. How quick we are to stand up for the unborn baby. And yet so often, even amongst God's people, when sexual immorality comes in and a pregnancy occurs, it's the same situation that David finds himself in. And sin comes in to hide it. Even the sin of murder. Could it be that here in this gathering today, There are those that are going through what David has been going through in this past year, this season of sin, sexual sin, murder. You know, it it made me think as I thought of David, because when we come to those chapters in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, we find that's not all the sin that was there. It was a whole catalog of sin that was going on. And it made me think, we usually think, and I think rightly so, that our sin separates us from God in our fellowship with God. We we can be separated in our fellowship when we're in the midst of sin. And sin does separate us from God. We don't want to talk to him. We don't want to spend time with him. We don't want to listen to him. But there's also the situation that when we separate ourselves from God, that sin comes in the other way around. I suppose that's what the psalmist was thinking about when he wrote in Psalm 119, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. How important that fellowship with God is to hinder us from sin or a season of sin. You see, it all started with David with a bit of laziness, a bit of just looking after himself. He should have been out in the battle. There's no doubt about that. But no, he wanted just to look after himself. Take it, take it easy for a while. A bit of laziness comes in. Sin of laziness in our relationship with God. Is that possible for us? Galatians 5.16 tells us, Live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. David had stopped for a while living by the Spirit. Doing things in his own time, his own way. And then it followed. Lust followed. Sexual immorality followed. Had to be hidden up as the problem with sin. Has to be hidden. Deceit followed. And oh how terrible the deceit as he worked with Uriah to try and hide this sin. We've just been in 1 Peter, 
chapter 2, verse 1, we were told there to rid ourselves of all deceit. And that same chapter goes on to tell us about our Lord, our Master, our Savior, the one who is our, our role model, our Lord Jesus Christ. There was no deceit in his mouth. But that deceit just seemed to get worse and worse, even enticing Uriah into drunkenness, cold contempt for Uriah in the end, because things weren't working out to hide his sin, giving him the very letter that would sign his death warrant. Cool contempt that when others died along with Uriah, ah, don't worry about it, these things happen. The murder, taking another wife, all to hide the sin. God had made it very clear and makes it very clear to us. Each man should have his own wife. Each woman should have her own husband. But David, he already had more than he should have had and takes another one. A whole season, as I say, that went on must have been for about a year where sin followed sin. Maybe the greatest sin was his atheism. David, an atheist? Are we atheists? Oh, we would say, oh, no, 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 we believe in God. And yet when sin comes in, suddenly our actions, our words, what we do one after the other, it's as if God isn't there. You know, in that whole chapter of Second Samuel chapter 11, not once has God mentioned as David lives his life in this year. This is David who, who is a man after God's own heart. It's not mentioned until at the very end of the chapter where God butts in and it says, and God was displeased with what David had done. A season of sin. Are we capable of these sins? Lust, sexual immorality, deceit, drunkenness, cold contempt for others. Christian atheism, as someone has put it. Just leaving God out as if he doesn't see, as if he doesn't know what's happening. Maybe some today are going through that right at this moment. Oh, it's hidden from others. And David tried so hard in that year to hide everything from everyone else. And yet there was one who saw everything and knew everything. And was displeased. What can we do when we go through this season of sin in our lives? Well, David would encourage us what he did when he was faced with that sin. He got alone with God. He fasted and pleaded. He did business with God because he wanted forgiveness. He wanted cleansing. And that's what this Psalm 51 is all about. I'm going to give you all my notes. Harry has them all there. He's going to give you um, them. That's pretty much all my notes. But hopefully it'll help you as we go through this psalm. You can follow in your Bibles or you can follow up front. We'll starting at the first couple of verses. In Psalm 51. Never say, I'm sorry. 
say I'm sorry to God. <laughs> you know, in Corinthians, um, first, where we Second Corinthians seven tells us that godly rep- sorrow brings repentance and leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings death. I'm sorry to God. Is that a godly sorrow or a worldly sorrow? Right at the beginning, David comes in Psalm 51 with these words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. The very first thing David did was come to God. He came to God because he knew God. Sometimes when we're in a season of sin, the last thing we want to do almost is, I don't want to come to God because God will judge me. He'll punish me. I know it's wrong. And I know what I'm doing is wrong. But the last person I want to go to is God. And David here tells us he's the only one we need to go to. And you need to know this God. This is a God of love, a God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God who can forgive your sins. Do you know your God? Are you scared of your God? Or do you recognize that our God is a God of love, compassion, and forgiveness? It was David who wrote in Psalm 103 these words. Listen to them. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins and repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We need to come to God. We need to know this God. A God who loves us and who wants to forgive us. James tells us he's full of compassion and mercy. Oh, that we know our God, especially as we go through a season of sin when we've forgotten about him and left him out of everything because we so, feel so guilty. Our God is a God of love, of compassion, forgiveness. Peter, as he stood up in uh, Jerusalem to a crowd of people, he told them, repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. There's only one place you can turn, and it's a, he's a God of love, compassion, and forgiveness. David knew his God, and that's who he came to. And that's for us to, do you know what your God? Come to him. The next verses tell us that David recognized and knew his sinfulness. I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. God may remember my sins no more, but it's almost as David has said, but I can't forget them. 
Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. The very first thing that David says, I know my sin and I know it's against you. Have we forgotten that? Our sin is against God. David knew that. As soon as he was faced with it through Nathan the prophet, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. He recognized his sin wasn't so much against Bathsheba and Uriah and all the rest, and so many of the people of Israel. Yes, there was sin against them all, but the sin was against the Lord. God had taught Abraham that. When you sin, Abraham, that sin that you would have done would have been against me. Joseph, we'll remember Joseph when Potiphar's wife tempted him. How can I sin against God? It's not against Potiphar's husband, Potiphar himself, sorry, Potiphar's wife's husband, is that right? It's not against Potiphar, it's against God that my sin is. Even Jesus, as he told that parable of the prodigal son, do you remember? When he came to his senses in front of that pig food, and he went back to his father, and what were his words, his first words to his father? I have sinned against heaven. And against you. God is the one that our sin is against. All that that had been going on with David for the year before. All that's going on in our season of sin. If that's what we're going through at this moment. It's against God. And David understood that. Corinthians tells us that when we sin against our brother and sister. Our sin is against Christ. David knew, my sin, I know my sin, and I know what's against you, God. I know it deserves your judgment. You're the judge of sin, and I know it deserves your judgment. Not other people's judgment, your judgment. What a terrible judge to come before with our sin. And he says, I also know that that sin comes from my sinful nature, that I've had from birth. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't get caught up in, as the world will tell us, oh, we're all intrinsically good. God makes it very clear, no, we're not. Every one of us has a personal, natural nature that tends towards sin against God. A sinful nature. It's there. And David acknowledged that. I have a sinful nature. This is not something that I can control or get rid of. And then in verse 6 where he talks about God, you want truth and wisdom from deep inside. But what did he get from me from deep inside? He got sin from deep down. Sin comes from deep down. Sin doesn't come from the surface. We often will try and excuse our sin, but it just happened so quickly. I couldn't stop myself. Jesus himself in Matthew 15 reminds us, no, 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 no. Sin is not on the surface. He tells us out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, 
adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, that's lies, slander. These are what defile a person. Sin comes from deep within. And David understood that. You notice as David is talking to God, no excuses. I think that's one of the things God liked about David. No excuses. No minimizing his sin. Ach, it wasn't really that bad or some parts of it weren't that bad. No hiding his sin before God. I know my sin. And you know it. David knows his God, a God of mercy, love, forgiveness. He knows himself, his sinfulness. And he knows that his sin is against God. And so now he comes to God and he begs and pleads. I wonder if he was pleading for this for seven days and nights in his own house, alone with God. I don't know. In verse 7 he says, Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. David knew. God is the only one who can clean me. God is the only one who can forgive me. God is the only one who can blot out my transgressions. No one else can do it, only God. And he comes and he begs of God, clean me. That season of sin, where one sin just tumbled after another, clean me from it. I think we know that verse very well in 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful. He is just. And he will forgive our sins. David asked for that cleansing. You can too. As we come to God in repentance, we can come and beg of him for that cleanness to take away our sin. Because only God can make me pure. Only God can restore the joy that I used to have in my life. Only God can take away my guilt. Hiding it doesn't do anything for me. Only God can do it. And David came to God. Only you. But it wasn't enough just to have cleansing from that catalogue of sin. From that season of sin. David knew right well (laughs) it will be great to be clean. But do I start it all again tomorrow? Another season of sin? Oh God, and now he's pleading. He's pleading, change me. Listen to his words now. Create in me a clean heart. Not just clean my heart. Create in me a clean heart. O God, renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Change me. 
I don't want that season of sin again. I don't want just to go back to it. I don't want just cleansed and then coming back next year for again, for forgiveness. I want you to change me. Make my heart pure. Make it faithful to you, O God. Keep me close to you. For a year I spent far from you. You know ourselves whether we're close to God or not. Just keep me close to you. Because I recognize again that it's only as I live by the Spirit that I will not gratify the desires of my sinful nature. And give me back that joy. Remember the joy I used to have? Somehow it is gone. I want it back again. I want things different now, God. Not just clean. I want it different. And I'm asking you to make me willing to live for you. That's a big thing. We talk about living for God, and yet so often there's so little in our lives is for God. God, David says, give me a willing spirit to listen to you, to obey you, to walk in your way, to be your person. Make me willing to live for you. Change me, O oh God. Make me different. And then I love the next verses. They start with the word, then. Do you clean me from my sin? Do you change me? And look what I will do. Look what I can do. Verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. Sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. I will teach others about you. I will teach others the gospel, the good news. Have you been trying in the midst of a season of sin to share with others and to, and, and to tell them about a God who forgives their sin and all the time there's sin in our own lives that we're not willing to repent and allow God to deal with? How can we teach others God's ways if we're not walking in God's ways? But I will be able. I'll do that, God. I'll walk in your ways and I'll teach others to walk in your ways as well. I'll sing of your righteousness. The singing's back. David was a singer. The singing will come back. I don't know if he sang at all in that year, in that season of sin. I don't know if he, if he ever went to the house of the Lord during that year or not. We don't read of him doing that. It's possible to come together and for us to come together as well and sing. But we know, don't we? I know from experience how easy it is to sing the words and yet in a season of sin, those words are meaningless. It says, I will sing of your righteousness because I'm clean and because you've changed me. I will declare your praise. That's what we were made for. David would have understood that. In Isaiah 43, God speaks through his prophet Isaiah. 
He says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, the people who I formed for myself, says God, that they may declare my praise. For a year, David had never declared God's praise. You can't declare God's praise in a season of sin. I'll do that. And how wonderful to be back to that, to be able to teach others God's ways, to be able to sing of his righteousness, to declare his praise. You know, God did cleanse and forgive David. You read about it in chapter 12, 2 Samuel. He got up, he washed himself, and he went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped. And then he came back and wolfed down the food. I say wolf because I needed three W's. He washed himself, he worshipped, and then he came back and ate. Everything was different. Everything was clean. Everything was wonderful now. Because God had forgiven him. As he went up to the house of the Lord. You remember these words that are there for us. In verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. I don't know who is going through a season of sin. But God wants you to take David's words or the words that God gave to David. Come, ask of me. I can make you clean. I can change you. I can give you relief from this season. Will you? Let's pray. Father, as your Spirit speaks to our hearts this morning, may you find hearts that are open, hearts that are willing to allow you to do a work in our hearts. I pray, Father, for some who at this time are going through that season of sin. I pray that they will know you, that you are a God of love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness, and that they will come to you. And Father, for some who, maybe not at this moment, but can remember back <clears throat> and will know in the future, I pray that before that sin becomes a season of sin, that they will know that forgiveness from you. Oh, help us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. If God has been speaking to your heart, I would suggest you get along with him as David did. At home, door closed. As we come to a time of communion, I don't know what your thoughts are. For some, there might be thoughts, it's too easy. David, adultery, murder, and just forgiven like that? How does he get off with it? What sort of God is this? 
It's too easy. We usually think it's too easy for others, but what about for us and my sin? What about me and my sin? I confess my sin. He is faithful and just, and he will forgive my sin. It's too easy. Two verses before that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Too easy. That's why Jesus says, remember me. Because it's my blood that enables God to justly forgive your sin. It's my body that carried your sin and the punishment for your sin. I'm just going to read some words from Romans chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. And I really just want to pick out a couple of phrases in it. Romans 3, 24 to 26. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him, that's Christ Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice. It wasn't just love that held Jesus to the cross. It was the justice of God. Sin had to be punished. Read the next words. Because in God's forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. What does that mean? That means David's sin from that season of sin that he had been forgiven and cleansed from, the punishment for it didn't happen at that time. God, the judge, punished that sin on his son through the shedding of his blood. David was cleansed. David's sin was covered over, but it was never punished until Christ came to the cross. Yours and my sin, as it goes on to say, he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just. God is just. Every sin has to be punished and every sin was punished. Every sin, all our sin was put on him. And the punishment of a holy God went on our Lord Jesus Christ. It's too easy. We just confess and we're forgiven, Jesus would say, remember me. Remember me, my body given for you. My blood shed for you. We're going to sing together. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it as well with my soul. Second verse says, let this blessed assurance control Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. As we remember our Lord in the taking of the bread and the cup, I remember it wasn't easy. Our sin is forgiven because of the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's, let's remain seated as we sing this hymn together. Mm-hmm.